0: Are you feeling burnt out and disconnected? Do you feel like you're doing all the things to get back in control of your time and energy, but it's not working? Deep down, you know there's more to life than this, but you're not sure how to access it, and you're ready for a strategic shift. Consider joining us for our next round of Mastery and or our Mastery Plus business program, where you get personalized one-on-one support, accountability, and mindset training. Visit Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash mastery, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y. Visit today for details. Hello. All right, we're back. And today I have a really special episode for you. I'm going to be sharing um, one of the calls that we do inside of our mastery program. And it's with our coach, Diane Swartinson. You may have heard her on the podcast previously. She's a magical human, former teacher, Who worked in conscious discipline, brought that into her classrooms with children, you know, getting noticed by her boss and authorities saying, What are you doing? Why are these kids listening? How are you running your classroom differently? What I love about Diane is her willingness to learn as an individual and grow. Um, and when she came into my world as a client, she was already into conscious discipline and teaching all of this stuff. But she wanted to grow as a person, and she also wanted to heal her relationship with her adult children. So I hear from a lot of parents like, oh, I wish I found you when my kids were younger. And it's you're never too late. Like healing can happen at any time. So I want you to hear Diana in action as she's working with people. I'm going to be cutting out everybody's names, Um, their voice, all the things. And I want you to hear the concept. I want you to listen how this work transforms, how we show up in our lives. And you're going to hear me cut in. I'm going to do some commentary in between as to like what she's actually teaching, why she's doing it. So you might want pen and paper for this one. You might want to stop what you're doing. You might want to listen to it a few times. So if you are struggling to see and understand your children's behavior or any relationship that you have in your life, you're going to want to listen to this one. So let's dive in.
1: So welcome to the Connected Relationships Call. Here is where we explore module six, the roles we play in our relationships. And it's holiday time. And the theme... The last few months here has been to end the year in alignment with how we want to feel. So we get to create our holiday experience, even when it involves other people. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk all about the drama roles and the empowerment roles and um, I see we do have new people here, so I want to welcome, welcome, welcome all of those who are, this is the first time you've been on the Connected Relationships call, so welcome. You are in the right place at the right time, um, right here today. So, um, I'll introduce my, just take a moment here to introduce myself. I have been a coach in the community for the last several years. I am a connected relationships and a parenting coach. Um, my background is in early childhood education and behavioral science. So I was in the uh, early childhood education arena for 30 some years um, as a teacher and then as a behavior specialist until I... Few years ago turned full-time into coaching. So um, on a personal note, I am a mother of three grown children, a stepmother of three grown children, a wife, um, and a grandmother of 10 beautiful children ranging from one to 18, everything in between. Uh so um I come to this space because there was a time in my life where I realized none of my relationships were really working. Um, And it didn't matter what my background was or what I was doing professionally. Um, This was deeper than that. And what I realized one day was... I was the common denominator in all of these relationships and I knew I need to figure this out. So that's when my self-development or what I call my self-discovery journey started quite a few years ago. And I have been building on that ever since because I was trying to change my children. I was trying to change my then husband. I was changing my mother and you know that wasn't working out. So we're here is what I'm passionate about, is changing that focus from out there to here, because that is how we gain empowerment and how we then become the creators of our experience. Um. So I am a pattern disruptor, I say, um, of, of, fam- of family patterns as well as the cultural, uh, what I call outdated beliefs and patterns. So um, I wanted to invite Melissa Appa today. Well, I wanted to highlight Melissa Appa today. And she has agreed to share her experience um, as a parent, as a mother of, a child who experiences anxiety. And I wanted her to do this because Melissa has really done the work and keeps doing the work. Um, she utilizes resources and she just, she doesn't quit. She just keeps doing the work. Um, so Melissa, if I'm going to hand you the mic here and if you could just share your experience and how you kind of went from being the victim of your, or being in the drama role with your son's anxiety to, co-creating with him? Because I think you've had some really beautiful moments.
2: Thanks, Diane. That was a nice introduction. (laughs) Um, So yeah, my oldest is a little mini-me and he has anxiety. Um, Similar to myself, I was diagnosed very young, as was he. Uh, The first time that his anxiety really really hit me how anxious he was, was when he was in kindergarten, he came to me um, and he's like, mom, I I really need to talk to you about something. It's really been bothering me. I'm having a really hard time. And, you know, of course I'm thinking something's going on at school. There's some big issue happening. And I'm like, okay, buddy, like what's happening? And he's like, whoa. And he's crying now. Well, what about my wedding? What about your wedding, buddy? And it was all the things. It was like, who am I going to marry? Where is it going to be? What are we going to eat? What is it going to be like? What am I going to wear? Like all the things, every question you could possibly fathom about a wedding, this poor little five-year-old was trying to solve. It's hard enough for us to solve them as adults. (laughs) Um, So that was kind of my first, like, wow, he's really struggling with having a lot of anxiety around things. And So my role, I think there started as a combination of victim and mostly rescuer, a little bit of victim of why me? Why did I have to have this? Why did I have to give this to my kid? I don't know how to cope with it. So how am I going to help my kid cope with it? All of those kind of thoughts. So a little bit of victim mentality there, but then a lot of rescuing. How am I going to fix him, right? What do I need to do to fix this problem, solve this problem? Um, and not really letting him have any of the responsibility for it. And that seemed to make sense to me at the time because he was little, and I guess I didn't quite know where his responsibility lied at such a young age. Um, but I took all the responsibility for it, which kind of put me in that um, rescuer kind of role instead of in the empowerment triangle. And how I shifted. I don't think I can give you a quick one thing that I did. I don't think it was a specific action I took. I think it was really more of changing my beliefs around it. Because when I felt like I had to fix it and it was my problem and my responsibility my actions reflected that, right? And I would go to him and be like, well, do this and try this and do this. But that's not necessarily what he needed. Well, it just wasn't what he needed. Um, So I think as I started to give him back that responsibility and take some of that pressure off me, I was able to step more into a coaching role where I was offering potential solutions Because I didn't believe it was my job to solve anymore. It's his journey. And I'm here to support him and be here with him. And I still give him tons of suggestions. And that's why I can't say that it's one thing. It's not like I don't coach him and give him any ideas or troubleshoot with him. But the tone is very different. It's not going in with the mentality of I need to solve this. And if you don't do the thing that I'm telling you to do that I think will solve it, then I'm going to be frustrated. It's a very different um, conversation and, and energy around the conversation. It's more like, well, what can we do? What can you do? How can we work through this? What do you need? Um, and that has really allowed him to step into his power and troubleshoot this on his own. So a huge success we had recently, some of you probably read this in Slack because it was a big win for me. Um, but I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, he had a pretty significant panic attack and I was actually putting my younger kiddo to bed. So I wasn't even around him at that moment. And my husband came and got me and was like, you know, Tanner wants you. And so I went over into Tanner's room and I'm like, what's, what's up, buddy. And by then he had already come out of his panic attack and it was pretty significant, but he was able to work through it. And he was like, Mom, I had a panic attack, a pretty bad one. But I told myself I was going to be okay. I told myself everything was going to be okay. And I realized I'm just getting a little out of balance again. And I need to get back to doing my meditations and my things every day. And it was just such an amazing moment because how often do we not do that for ourselves? And I was like, I was in my 30s before I figured out how to talk myself out of a panic attack. And my little nine-year-old, now he just turned 10, but two weeks ago he was nine. My little nine-year-old just did it. So (laughs) that's pretty amazing how just shifting your beliefs and energy can make such an impact. And like I said, I can't give you one behavior I did different. It was just more around letting him take ownership of that and letting him problem solve and figuring out what he needed. Again, still offering ideas and suggestions and thoughts, but from a very different place energetically.
0: Okay. So before we dive into this next part, I want to bring up some awareness. Oftentimes as parents, I hear people say, I need to fix my child. I've talked about this previously, but when I started my work, um, when I was shifting from my position as a social worker and I was seeing, helping parents see and understand their children's behavior, I started teaching meditation and mindfulness. And what I would hear from parents say, did you fix my child? Like, is the anxiety gone? Do they know what to do now? Because we were trying to like get rid of, of a behavior instead of learning to co-create with it. So it's like we have to hang on to this vision that healing is possible, but also that like anxiety is not bad. Panic attacks are not bad, okay? It's we need to learn to cope with these things and also be proactive about them. So there's many things as to why we have these things in our lives, like anxiety or panic attacks, they're breadcrumbs, they're symptoms to maybe a deeper rooted problem or challenge or something like that. But also we need to stop trying to get magic pills to solve problems and be like, I just need this out of my life. We have to learn to co-create with them. And what you just heard Melissa say is she learned the skills herself as the leader, as the role model for her child. Then she was teaching these skills to her child because she was learning them as well. She also mentioned that her child was her mini me. Her child was experiencing very similar behavior and anxiety patterns that she did that she never learned how to solve. So it forced her to learn these emotional regulation skills so that she could then teach and co-create these with her child. So I just want you to pay attention to that, because so often people are looking to solve a problem, which is great. You can look to solve the problem, but there's no quick fixes. And if somebody is trying to buy you into a quick fix, they're lying to you. Imagine empowering your child to feel in control of their big emotions, right? So magic. All right, let's dive in.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Melissa. Um, And that just shows us change is possible. And what is possible? I mean, it is possible for our young children to learn to calm their own nervous system. So a lot of times I get... People asking me about, well, I understand about letting other adults own their own upset because that's what I talk about a lot, owning your own upset. But what about children? Yes, children need the experience of experiencing what their emotions in their body actually feel like. Because if they don't feel them and have a connection to them, then they're not able to work with them and eventually be able to manage them in that way. And just because he did it once doesn't mean that's how it's going to be every time. But it ha- there is that there to build on. And so I remember... Um, Melissa, when though some of those beliefs, yeah, had shifted, um because I remember one of the big fears was, and this is what we often do is is doing that future thinking is, well, if he can't solve this now, when in these little um issues. Situations, how is he going to solve big adult issues? And the beauty in that is that those small issues that seem small to us, they are big issues to our young children. And so when we give them the opportunity to take ownership and create with us how they can um, work with their emotions, work with whatever the situation is and move towards what they want. Then that is how they learn to manage, um, challenge, manage emotions when now and when they get, they get older. So Thank you, Melissa. Um, it does take lots and lots of of repetition. And the journey doesn't end, right? This is this is the journey that never ends. Um, but we have these absolutely beautiful moments along the way. And I actually have a podcast named Beautiful Behavior because that, is what it's all about, this journey. Um, and our children get to have their journey and we can support them in experiencing it in, what, in a way that's true for them. And I remember um, when Melissa said to me, oh, I got to get him, he doesn't want to do the meditations. I got to get him back to doing the meditations because if he doesn't do the meditations, then I have to deal with his upset. And so at that time, like she said, she was owning his upset and trying to figure out how to fix it. Um, And what Melissa has done is she is owning her own upset. When these behaviors, when his anxiety triggers her anxiety or whatever emotions those are, she is owning that and leaning into that. And that is the bridge between drama and the empowerment triangle is owning that upset and allowing others to own theirs. So today we are going to explore the empowerment and drama triangles. And I invite you to ask questions, be curious, um, and just open to discovering whatever it is that you might discover about you today um, or what you may take with you and discover about yourself in the days ahead. So um, how is everybody feeling about the holidays or where you're at right now? Um, Just maybe drop into the chat. Oh, um, just drop into the chat. maybe from one to five where you are at today in this moment, as far as five being energized, um you know, you're you're
0: in your power to
1: one being totally stressed.
0: Okay. So you're going to hear Diane, obviously she's talking about like the holidays and how do you feel around the holidays? That's... When this recording was uh, previously recorded. But I want you to think about whatever season you are entering right now in your life. So we have those periods of time. It could be the new year. It could be, you know, the kids are entering school, the kids are out of school. There's always like a new season and energy that we are stepping into. So I want you to grab a pen and a piece of paper. And I want you to literally go step by step through this process uh, with Diane and the group um, to get clear on what this is for you, how you feel entering the season of your life and parenting journey. Um, I really hope you take away a lot from this call. And if you did, uh, I would love to know your biggest takeaway. So head on over to Instagram at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N. I don't know about you, but as a driven woman raising children, time is my most valuable resource and anything I can implement into my day that allows me to eliminate decision fatigue, I'm all for. That's why I'm such a huge fan of AG1. The brain, gut, and immune health support in every scoop is the simplest habit I have ever instilled into my day. AG1 simplifies getting the nutrients your body needs. That's why I trust it for my daily support. Take charge of your health with AG1. Try it now and receive one year supply, one free year supply of vitamin D, D three K two and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag one dot com forward slash EU drinkag one dot com forward slash EU and send me a DM, a private message, letting me know your biggest takeaway and what number the episode was that you were listening to, because it it just gives me so much joy to know that you're getting value from this episode and the podcast itself. And I'm going to keep continuing giving you more of what you want. So please let me know. Let's dive in. So I see four. <laughs> I see
1: Ellen going, <laughs> Uh three, four, three, four and a half. Okay. Two and a half. Yeah, all over. So again, we get to create our experience, even when it involves other people. So let's talk about the drama triangle. So, I'm going to share a screen here. I'm going to pull up uh, the drama tr- in empowerment triangles. Okay, can everybody see that? Okay, there we go. Okay. So, In the drama triangle, the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer are the roles we play in our relationships. And these are our avoidance strategies. These are coping skills. These these roles help us cope with upsetting conflict. And they are not bad in and of themselves. What we want to do is recognize them, so that we can be in a more empowered role, creating our own experience, and we get to decide how the outside world is impacting us. So let's talk about victim. Victim is the central, uh, the central role in the drama triangle so the victim is about poor me just just tell me what to do and it is a powerless feeling you are powerless you're at the mercy of other people's upset you are at the mercy of you know, whatever situations or circumstances um, are before you. And it's very important for a victim to be liked. And so a victim often doesn't have a voice or doesn't speak up because it's important to be liked. We don't want to speak up and somebody might get upset. Um. And a victim wants to be rescued. A victim looks for somebody to rescue them. And oftentimes, a victim will see that as you care. It kind of gets misunderstood as caring or I'm loved. If you rescue me, then that means you care and I'm loved. Um and so a victim avoid all of these roles avoid conflict or upset and a victim avoids conflict by um by manipulating um do this for me okay just tell me what to do okay Um, And so does anybody have an example, if you've been here for a while doing this, can you give us an example of being in a victim role? What would that sound like or look like?
3: Diane, who's can it be from? Do Diane, do you want it to be from us or somebody in our anybody, somebody around us?
1: What's that, Jessica? I didn't hear. So you.
3: Do you want it? Do you want it to be like when I was in the victim role or when I've
1: observed yes. somebody um, in the victim role? Yeah, when you you are in the victim role.
3: Okay, I can't give you that, but I could give you a great example of somebody who's in the victim role right now.
1: <laughs> that is easy to see other people in it, isn't it?
3: Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, let's do that. Give me an example of that.
3: Okay. So my mom had her knee replaced last week and Mm -hmm. yesterday she's not feeling well. She's getting dizzy and she keeps asking me to stay longer. I'm supposed to go home on Thursday, Mm -hmm. but she's, she can get up, she can walk. There's no reason, but she's like, I just wish she would stay longer, but she's not doing the things she needs to do for her recovery. She's not eating properly. She wasn't taking her meds properly. Like she's doing all these things that are not contributing to her continuing to move forward.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So before we dive forward and Diane replies to Jessica's comment about how her mother is playing the victim, I want you to listen to me when I say this. Oftentimes, what I find is people who come into my world, we have a relationship that is triggering. And it can be parenting, it could be partnership, it could be our biological parents, or like the people who have raised us. Relationships are relationships are relationships. And this is what I find fascinating, is when people have a challenge in their parenting role, they also have a similar challenge or may have a similar challenge in parenting their parents. And if you are a business owner or a leader and you manage people, I often find you are leading people very. Similarly, so I want you to go through this if you're like, well, I don't have a challenge in my parenting role, or maybe you don't have children. Not everybody I work with has children, but we are parenting other people, and sometimes we're parenting people in our professional roles as well, or sometimes we end up in the sandwich generation, or with our aging parents, and we're now taking care of our parents. So, although it's kind of it's a little bit different when you're parenting a child versus parenting an adult, I want you to see it through this lens as well. So, let's continue.
1: And so, what is okay or not okay with you? Is it okay with you to stay there longer, or no. what? Immediately, no, no. Okay, oh, <laughs> that's okay, yeah
3: i said yeah. i said I said to her i said if if you needed me, so if medically she wasn't okay to be on her own, absolutely, I would change my plans. I would stay. That's not, but when you're not doing things to contribute to your own recovery, I'm not going to change my life around and stay longer because you can't do the things that you need to do,
1: yeah, so this is great. Thank you, Jessica. So this isn't about how do I move my mother to the empowerment role? This is about you being in the power empowerment role and seeing her as capable, right? So seeing her as capable and that she can create what she needs when you aren't there. So that might be a challenge for her. And the challenge is the catalyst for growth. So it might not feel um, comfortable for her, and it might not even feel comfortable for you telling her, I'm, I'm going to leave. Um, but what I hear you saying, Jessica, is that you are setting the boundary of what is, o- is or isn't okay with you and what you're willing to do to honor that.
3: Correct. Yes. So I'm trying, I'm, I was like, Oh, this is good, Diane. Cause we're covering multiple points on the, on the triangle for you, but yes, I'm trying to get her into creating. So like before this call, I said, I want you to think about things that we can do over the next day or two that are going to help move the needle on you feeling better. And I was like, so when I come back after this call, I want you to tell me what you think and then I will tell you what I think and what i see.
1: Yeah. So that might be you in the challenger role. Um, lifting her up right and also I hear you in the coaching role saying what do you think is going to move you forward so that she can create
3: correct because I think if I just stayed to me that's being a rescuer and I just don't want to I want to go home I miss my dog I miss my house I miss going to the gym like For my mental health, it's best for me to go home because I'm going to get resentful if I stay.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly it. We need to set the boundaries. And I'm saying that word boundary, and I know that it can be widely misunderstood, but you are creating the plan for you so that you do not become angry and resentful. Because here's the deal. If you stayed and it created anger and resentment, that is not about your mom. That is about you crossing your own boundaries. Because here's the deal with boundaries. If they're being crossed, it's you that's crossing them. Correct. Okay, now that might be a whole new concept for some people. That is a big paradigm shift. And what I'm going to say about boundaries here is that boundaries is a paradigm shift. It is not what we're generally conditioned to in our traditional culture. Um, So, okay, let's get back to that victim. Okay. So persecutor, let's talk about the persecutor, the persecutor, it's all your fault. So in this situation, Jessica, if you would have stayed, you could have became the persecutor and said, well, now I feel like shit because you just can't get out of your own way and get up and do all these things, you know? So that's about defense, right? It's all your fault and the persecutor um, skirts ownership by dominating or skirt avoids upset or conflict by dominating. It's my way or the highway. This is the way it's going to go. And you could do that too. It could be, you know, it really depends on the energy you're in, right? You could say, well, I am not going to stay here because that will, blah, 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 blah. right?
3: You can say that the came, that came out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. This morning that came out a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just own it, right? You can own that. But I also heard you lifting her up and saying, hey, what is it that you need to create so that you can be on your own? when I leave. And that's a challenger. It's a challenger um, who is there to be the catalyst for your growth. And you could look at it this way too. Your mother and her um, health situation could be your challenger. And what am I going to create so that I am leaving um, and how can I communicate that with her, right? And then that's what you did. So you know, there's different ways we can look at this. Okay, rescuer, rescuer. Diane, can I give my example of persecutor, and I'll call. Yes, you. yes, <laughs> yes. That'd be great, I Gina, Thank you.
3: Not even see it.
1: So I'm glad you pointed that out. Hmm. So I had a call with Diane earlier as part of her program and kind of, you know, have some anxiety over work projects that are not getting done. So today I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to get this done. Just very masculine. And Diane's like, oh, you're persecuting yourself. I was like, oh, shit, I am. And then so we walked through like being the challenger and more like a feminine approach of you know, having a conversation with my anxiety and you know things around that. So it's so interesting to me that as long as I've been doing this, there's still little things that I don't pick up on when I'm doing it. And so I'm so glad to have Diane to call me out on it. Yeah. Thank you for for sharing that, Sheena, because yeah, we can do this to ourselves too, right? We can be the persecutor of ourself. So um rescuer rescuer loves validation right we love to do it for everybody else um let me help you says the says the rescuer um a rescuer avoids conflict or upset through um overgiving through peacekeeping And a rescuer really sees people as incapable. I need to take care of this anxiety for you. I need to tell you all the things to do. Um, and it's very easy to slip into these roles. Um. I can often see myself in the rescuer and the victim. I don't identify much with the persecutor anymore. <laughs> I did it one time, um, and it's really about identifying it and acknowledging it and meeting it with compassion. Because, like Sheena was just saying, um, you know, persecuting yourself, and rather meeting that anxiety with compassion and co-creating with that anxiety. So does anybody have an example of how you or somebody else in your life is showing up as the rescuer?
2: Diane, this is me to a T. I mean, I've worked through a lot of it, but I default to rescuer for sure. Like the example with my son, my husband has a lot of health issues and I'm always trying to rescue him. And I've had to take a step back and be like, you're an adult. You can make your own doctor's appointments. You can make your own phone calls. I don't have to do it for you because I would do it and then be frustrated and resentful about it and feel like I had to do everything. And why can't somebody ever rescue me? (laughs) Yes.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because when we do that for people, then on the flip side, we're like, well, why are not people doing this for me? You know, I'm rescuing people because I care. And now nobody's rescuing me, so they don't care. So rescuing um, is not caring. It's not being respectful. It's not loving. We are doing it so that we ourselves aren't triggered. We're making everybody happy so that we don't have to feel the discomfort of upset. Because most of us really learned through culture and our family that upset is a bad thing, right? It's wrong. Nobody should be upset. Like if somebody's upset, there's something wrong. Or if somebody's upset. That means they're not going to like me. I need to fix this.
0: All right, there you have it. So that was the first half of one of our calls. Diane goes on to do live coaching with our students and help them process and work through how we show up in the drama triangle in all areas of our lives in all relationships. So we had students go on to talk about um you know, position or uh relationships that they have with their boss relationships that they have in their home relationships that they have with siblings in-laws so oftentimes I find it so interesting how one relationship really triggers the crap out of us and yet we're kind of doing the same thing in other relationships so the drama triangle just to kind of refresh is and you can Google this like Google drama triangle you're going to see a visual representation of the triangle and the Flip side is the empowerment dynamic. And that's really the identity that we want to get into. So the drama triangle is all about being the rescue, resecutor. Oh my god, persecutor and victim. Res- rescuing. Rescutor. That sounds so weird. I uh, don't know why that sounds weird to me right now. You're rescuing people. So Melissa talked about this briefly towards the end of when we are chronically rescuing people, like, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that, let me do that, let me do that. Like, a lot of women do this and we identify as the martyr because we're incredibly capable. But if you don't feel in control of your emotions and you don't know how to manage that, you become resentful and you're just do, 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 do for other people. And then when you don't do for them, And they feel their own feelings, right? I think Melissa briefly talked about this. Um, We want to rescue our children. Well, if I don't do that, then they're going to get upset. Well, what's actually wrong with them getting upset is we don't want them to get upset because we don't want to feel our feelings when they get upset. So oftentimes when we're trying to change a relationship dynamic, there's a beautiful quote out there that I go to all the time, which is, we teach people how to treat us. We actually teach our children how to treat us. We teach our our friends, our bosses, our partners, how to treat us. So when you are in a relationship dynamic and you're telling yourself, not this, not this, I can't do this, this is not sustainable for me, I just want to tell you that change is possible. But we have to look at this drama triangle dynamic. And most of the time, women are rescuing other people from their emotions. And when you are doing that, it's like, You're actually trying to rescue yourself from your own emotions. So I know that this is a huge concept. We dive into this inside of our mastery program and our mastery business program, uh, which is like eight and 10 months long. Like this is a rinse and repeat process. It's not a one and done. So if that's something you're interested in, you can head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash mastery um, and learn more. But other than that... Listen to this episode again, pen and paper, write down, like, just go through it multiple times and ask yourself, how do I show up as the rescuer? How am I trying to, like, disempower other people because I am so uncomfortable with my emotions or I'm so uncomfortable with their emotions? Hold the space for them. Let them feel their feelings without trying to solve problems. You can show up as the coach. You can co-create with people. You could say, I have an idea for you. I'm curious. What do you think you could do? You can give them tools and strategies, but you can't do the work for other people. I hope this was helpful. If it was, please screenshot and share. Tag me, Heather Chauvin. I'm a real human. I look forward to connecting. And that's it. You can feel alive and aligned. It just takes work, energy, and effort. In March, we celebrate International Women's Day, and we also celebrate the anniversary. This year is the third year anniversary of my book coming out into the world, Dying to Be a Good Mother, how I dropped the guilts and took control of my life and my parenting. And as a thank you for being a part of this community, I wanted to gift you the e-reader version of my book. So if you head on over to Heather Chauvin, dot ncom forward slash free, F-R-E-E, book. Um, You will be asked to enter your name and your email, and then you're going to be gifted a code where you can enter this into the e-reader of your choice, and you can gift this to a friend. You can send them to the page, um, and that's my gift to you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a huge part of this community. I just love and appreciate you listening and interacting. Um, And I would also love if you share this link with a friend, post it on the internet, do all the things and tag me march is about celebrating us and empowering not only ourselves but other women around us and the women before us and the women um next to us so thank you thank you thank you